Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle, and you're listening to the Spooky Hour. You are. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. I didn't sing this time. Oops. I don't remember. I've been like Oops. off and on. Hi. It depends on my mood lately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to straight up right now apologize if there's any echo because I am currently in a new room in my house. We're testing. It's fine. Yeah, we're testing. And you, this is the episode we're testing and I don't care. So <laughs> if you hear an echo or like me moving my chair around because my back hurts, mind your business. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're just old. Okay. Let us live. Yeah. We my back is also killing. So there's probably gonna be some rustling on my end. Yeah. I haven't been to my chiropractor in like two weeks. Hashtag what is uh third world no first world problems i was like are you kidding me holly yeah third world <laughs> problems jesus christ no first world problems um we revamped our office so we got rid of my little flimsy ass desk and Stuart got a nice standing desk but i got his like gamer desk and it's huge so now yeah, i have like huge. my work stuff and i have my podcast set up but now i'm in the office so if it's echoey my bad we'll figure it out just put pillows on the walls next time yeah. tape pillows everywhere <laughs> If we're actually, like, in an insane asylum, it's fine. <laughs> I watched an episode, I think it was PMK, where they, like, put egg cartons in a room to yeah. soundproof it. Like, egg cartons on the walls and stuff. It's so cool what you can do with, like, just shit around the house. How much eggs you'd have to eat to do that, to fill this a room? A lot. A lot. They were, like, the, the big ones, too. Like, not the dozen. I think it comes to, like, 36 eggs in it. Like, mm. that's a lot of eggs. That's, like, yeah. I'm not even going to count. I can't do math. Why do I always try to do math? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh, i don't really have much to rant about just another week in fucking lockdown oh my god long we got weekend. extended again oh it's a long weekend it doesn't fucking matter we can't do yeah, anything can't but i'm getting shit. drunk so <laughs> that's <laughs> all, all that matters, matters. yeah yes. that's yeah just another week in paradise what can i say yeah that's it let's just get into it i guess right i guess so 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 murder it's a murder yay it's a murder um, <laughs> So I really, really, really like today's case. I'm finding some really good ones lately, not to like toot my own horn, but toot toot. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the uh, the murder of Angela Samoda. And this is more of a story about like a couple of besties. So like this is yet another one that I'm, I'm shouting out to Danielle because I would do the same for her. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. So Angela Samoda, who was known as Angie by her friends, was a 20-year-old college... Oh my God, Danielle, I was so tired when I wrote this. I wrote she was a college university student. She was just a university student. I was like, uh, are you on like the very first <laughs> sentence of this? Yeah. Okay. No, it was when I wrote it. I just <laughs> did a terrible job editing it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, this is how this one's going to work though. Yeah. <laughs> great start. We're already off to a great start. And it's always me too. Fuck, I'm the worst. Um, and we so leave all just... of this in because it's hilarious. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. Well, everyone always is like, oh, it sounds like we're just having a normal conversation with you guys. It's because you are. That's, yeah that's, that's it this is you we're both see, just this dumb you get to hear all the bullshit it's fine <laughs> so she was a 20 year old university student who studied computer science and electrical engineering at southern methodist university in dallas texas so she's like on some boss bitch shit right there she was uh i think she was one of like two or three women in her entire class damn studying like computer science and stuff Fuck, um, her. She's i should bitch. add this is the 80s that's why she was one of 
too. Like, it wasn't very common at the time. Yeah. Um, so Angie's best friend, Sheila, described her as vivacious and friendly. Yeah, I thought that was cute, too. Um, so she described her as vivacious and friendly, saying, quote, Angie had a beautiful smile, the biggest I've ever seen, the type of smile that would light up her whole face. She was very vivacious and friendly and one of the few girls in the computer science and electrical engineering department. She was the triple threat, great personality, real cute and smart. Um, she has the whole fucking package yeah no she seemed like a wonderful person um on the night of october 11th 1984 angie wanted to hang out with some friends one of the people she called that night was russell buchanan uh he was kind of like an acquaintance they didn't really know him too well he was five years older than the girls and was already fairly established in his job as an architect Angie was hoping to connect with him on a professional level. Uh, Sheila said in an article that Angie was very career-driven and was always on her networking game. So I guess she wanted to... I don't know what the fuck computer engineers do. I guess she wanted to work with an architect, I guess. Um, (laughs) That's also over my head because I'm absolutely dumb, so... Literally, I work in sales. I just am cute and get people to buy things that's it <laughs> literally <laughs> um so angie russell and a few other friends met up at lakewood's boardwalk beach club before heading out to a restaurant and a club honestly i'm so old this sounds exhausting like it's just dinner in bed that's it there's no dancing after there's no lake before just dinner in bed um angie even in, like, invited my, even in, like my prime years i never even like yeah like, no o'clock was like my bedtime Danielle and I hanging out, like, even when we were, like, 16 in high school, was just one of our houses. Like, yeah, <laughs> we were not very, like, let's go to a party. <laughs> like, the people that are, like, let's go to a party at 11 o'clock at night, I'm, like, I kind of envy you, but I kind of don't, because, like, bed. Yeah. And I don't so have much that, better. I don't have that much, like, energy, so. I, I went on, like, a good two-year run where I was, like, at the bar every weekend, but I burnt out hella fast. Kudos to you if you're still going, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not, not I. lockdown, but, like... <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, I guess. Shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Angie invited her boyfriend, Ben McCall, but he worked early the next morning, so he stayed home instead. I feel that. Uh, I am Ben. So, I am Yeah. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> So the group danced and drank and did whatever young people do at the club, but an employee who would later be a witness in the case testified that Angie did not seem intoxicated when she left. Uh, Basically, she was just able to walk while the others were a hot mess. Uh, Angie dropped Russell off at his apartment, and one of the other girls who was supposed to have a sleepover with Angie was dropped off too. Wait, was she driving? She was driving, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, that's... mm, We don't drink and drive, guys. No. But, uh, yeah, so she dropped her friends off. Angie was going, oh my God, I already can't read. Angie was going to attend a football game in the morning and the friend wanted to sleep in. So she said, fuck that. And once again, I feel that, um, on her way back home, Angie stopped by her boyfriend's house to say goodnight to him. She wasn't there for very long and called him at one forty-five on the morning of the 12th, except it wasn't to tell him that she had made it home. Instead, Ben heard her panicked voice on the other line saying, quote, talk to me. Ben said the rest of the conversation didn't really make sense and that Angie was kind of just rambling on about many different things. She seemed nervous and Ben sensed something was off. He cut her off when he heard a noise in the background. Angie told Ben that she had let a man into her apartment to use her phone. Uh, she asked Ben if there was a payphone nearby that she could uh, direct the man to since the two of them are now using her phone and the stranger wasn't able to. So that was like really smart on her part. She's like, wait, if I'm using my phone this creepy guy can't use my phone yeah um 
Ben told her to tell the man about uh, a store nearby that had a payphone, and she relayed the message to him. For some god-awful reason, she hung up after this, telling Ben she would call him back. I wish she had just stayed on the line because it does not end well from here. Um, Angie did not call Ben back. After a while, he got anxious and called her instead, and there was no answer. Ben got into his truck, brought his cell phone, which, keep in mind, was like a giant brick back in the day, so, like... He didn't just have it. He had to, like, literally pick it up off the counter. I thought that was funny to think about for some reason. Um, (laughs) Like, normally it's just, like, in your pocket. But he had to, like, they store it somewhere, I guess. And they're like, don't forget the cell phone. Um, So he called her several times while he was driving. And she still did not pick up. Uh, He arrived at the apartment and knocked on the door. And there was no answer. He tried to open it, but it was locked. He got back into his truck and drove to the store that he sent the strange man to, hoping he would run into them on the route. They were not there or anywhere along the route. He drove back to the apartment and dialed 911 on his way. (laughs) Police officers arrived on the scene and busted the door down. Angie was inside the bedroom, laying on her bed with her legs dangling over the side. She was found completely naked with a total of 18 stab wounds directly to her chest. Holy fuck slight graphic warning here the injuries were so severe that investigators initially believed that her heart had been removed but autopsy would reveal that it was in fact still there Uh, autopsy would also reveal that she had been sexually assaulted prior to her murder um it's believed that she was unconscious at the time of the attack as there was a lack of bruising on her body that they would normally find in cases of sexual assault uh i want to say this part carefully here but there was enough evidence to indicate that the assault had taken place but that angie likely didn't fight back or need to be restrained in any way um investigators collected blood and semen from the scene and ran them against their initial suspects which were her current boyfriend ben and her most recent ex from her hometown there was no match so both of the men were dropped as suspects very early on in the investigation they did find a match for the blood type which is not dna because it's the 80s so it's just like oa yeah negative whatever the hell which is um, like like oh positive is like the most common so i mean like yeah literally oh great you've you've narrowed it down to ten thousand people in this town yeah um, that's a great job <laughs> yeah so uh the blood type did match russell buchanan who was the man angie had invited out that night but again it's not dna so it wasn't solid enough to to arrest him yeah uh russell was put under intense surveillance and was trailed every day for six months he was brought in for questioning quite often during that six-month period and officers tried every trick in the book to try to get him to confess uh in one incident uh they held like crime scene photos in front of his face and were like screaming at him that he needed to confess so this is one of those cases where they Mm -hmm. like towed the line a little bit but he he still wouldn't break he still uh proclaimed his innocence during this time angie's friend sheila was suffering with grief uh she took the loss of her friend very hard uh and in an interview given uh like long after the case she said quote angie's murder was the most traumatic event of my life and i didn't know what i was supposed to do i slept on the floor in my mom's room for quite a while i had changed that day my innocence was gone i never went back to college that's really Um, sad I also wanted to point out, for some reason, the police showed her friend the crime scene photos. Why? Like, during during her questioning. Like, they wanted to find out, like, what Angie did that night and stuff. Which totally makes sense. Like, she's her friend. She would know what she did. Sorry, I'm adjusting. Uh, what she did that night and all that stuff. But, like, why did she... They showed her, like, her friend dead in the bed. And she said it, like, haunted her for, like, the rest of her life. And I just thought that was really shitty. I don't think like, they needed don't... to do that. Yeah, I don't think they, she needed to see that. Yeah. 
Um, so part of her grief was this like immense feeling that she needed to help solve the case. Uh, she called investigators often asking for updates on leads or evidence. Investigators decided to use Sheila to their advantage and had her get friendly with Russell to try to coax a confession that way. Uh, so Russell and Sheila went to dinner and Sheila led him in like the direction of the case in a conversation. And he told her the same story that he had been telling police this whole time. So with the lack of any real evidence, the case slowly grew cold by 1985 and it stayed that way for 20 long years until something incredible happened. Holly got a chill, first of all. (laughs) Um, So Sheila was in her room, now in her 40s, living in Tennessee with her husband and two sons. She was working on Bible study homework and was having a hard time with it. Can't say I blame her. Yeah, I was Um, just like, uh, (laughs) yeah, no. (laughs) She recalled squinting and getting frustrated, so she, like, put her head in her hands. And when she lifted her head, uh, there was Angie sitting beside her, smiling that big smile that Sheila remembered so well. Sheila admits she can't be entirely sure what she saw that day. She told herself that maybe she was just tired and seeing things. She was just rubbing her eyes and all of that. But she said she had an overwhelming feeling that she couldn't explain. That feeling drove her to pick up the phone and call the Dallas Police Department and ask for the cold case unit, which, fun fact, they didn't have. Um, So she was forwarded to homicide. When no one answered, they called back, or sorry, she called back and asked for a detective who she knew from the case. So she asked for a man by name. Uh, So she bonded with this man so quickly over the case that or so well sorry that she invited him to her wedding so they were like really good friends after the case okay uh but she left a message and he never called her back he ignored her and she she thought that was yeah she thought that was weird because they had become that close she's like why like at least call me back and say no i don't want to do this um so she could have given up, but when she uh, initially called the police department, the person who answered the phone told her that no one had called about that case in 20 years. Not one other person followed up on the investigation. This lit a fire under Sheila's ass. So she called and she called and she called a reported 700 times and still no one from the Dallas police department would answer her calls. With the dicks. determination though. Um, and this is all because she saw basically her friend. friend's spirit yeah that's crazy. i think it was her spirit uh she she said she's not like a she doesn't believe in the paranormal or anything but she said she can't explain like she saw it and she just felt like this is what she had to do yeah like she never thought that this next part i'm gonna get into she had never thought about doing it until she saw her friend that day just like so, so overwhelming i'm saying it's a spirit type thing that's it it's spooky um So she started taking matters into her own hands when the police department ignored her. Sheila began to research other possibly related crimes that took place in the area at that time. She found several reports on sexual assaults and printed them out. Um, I'm picturing once again that meme with the guy in the crime board thing with the red strings. Like she went all in. Yeah. one day she was telling the security guard of her gated community about her new endeavor and how she was frustrated with the police department and all of that. He laughed at her and said, quote, you know, you'd make a great private investigator. And that night, Sheila went home and told her husband that she was starting a new career. Oh, my God. Um, what a badass. Yeah. <laughs> I love this part. So in Tennessee, you need a company to sponsor you in order to become a licensed private invest- investigator. So the security guard got his company to sponsor her. Really? <laughs> I thought that was really cute. That's adorable. Um, so she was sponsored and was able to do, I guess there's like coursework you have to do to become a private investigator. I didn't know that. I just 
you thought you decided one day that I'm nosy enough that I can do this. Um, <laughs> there's classes you have to take. Yes. Uh, uh, Sheila thought that because she had this fancy new license, the police would start to take her more seriously. But she was wrong. It, st- it still took several months of her constantly nagging them before they finally reopened the case in 2008. So this is four years after she first started calling them. Holy shit. Uh, they gave over they gave the case over to a new detective who was actually fully willing to help Sheila solve this case. She told Sheila that she could have access to all of the files and evidence, which was surprising to Sheila because she was told previously that all evidence was lost in a flood. Uh nevertheless so they kinda like told her just to like get her to back off sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like they just didn't want to reopen this case and That's she so was annoying. like Mm-mm, we're doing it. Um so she she was grateful for the opportunity and just started to get to work regardless of the tomfoolery that took place. Uh, Sheila knew that the advancements in DNA technology would play a big role in solving this case. So she asked the police department to begin rerunning any of the DNA found at the scene, which strangely included Angie's fingernails, which contradicted earlier reports that she didn't fight back. You don't just shed fingernails without fighting someone. Um, so there's a lot of little holes in this case that I didn't particularly love. Uh, this process took several months and the results didn't come back until 2009. The detective called Sheila and said, we got him. But the him they got wasn't their original suspect, Russell. It was another man entirely. This man's name was Donald Andrew Bess, and he just happened to be incarcerated for a string of sexual assaults that took place in 1985. So prior to Angie's murder, Donald was already a convicted sexual offender. He was released on parole just seven months prior to the murder. Uh, investigators believe that Donald was a strange man that Angie let in that night and that he was still in the apartment when Angie's boyfriend, Brent Ben knocked on the door. They believe that Angie may have attempted to call out to Ben and this called Donald to attack, stabbing her repeatedly in order to keep her quiet. Finally, in June of 2010, uh, Sheila was able to sit in the courtroom and watch the trial of her friend's killer. It took the jury less than an hour to find Donald Best guilty of the sexual assault and murder of Angela Samoda. He was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Sheila felt relief knowing that he would never leave prison, but she said she still felt, oh my God, I spelled peace wrong. I'm so bad at this. Um, (laughs) She said she still did not feel at peace with the case. Uh, So after the sentencing had been finalized, she reached out to Russell Buchanan, who was the original suspect. Um, In the article I read, the the article was actually written by Sheila. Uh, So she spoke about how much she hated Russell and how she really thought he was a murderer who got away with it. Uh, She even admitted to being like afraid of him. Yeah. So that night that she went out to dinner, she said she was like terrified for her life. Her mother was like praying for her at home and all of this stuff. Um, So she wanted to set things right with Russell. She reached out to him to apologize for holding this resentment towards him. And the two decided to visit Angie's grave together. Uh, There, Russell thanked Sheila for her work in the case. Uh, He told her that the cloud of suspicion never left him and people still judged him. Uh, Like whenever he was out and about in town, he still got dirty looks. People would like move their kids away from him and stuff because they really thought he did it. Yeah. So in solving the case, uh, Sheila helped clear his name and gave him a new start in life, basically. So she she did good i would say that's amazing um, Sheila her. was originally just going to be a private investigator for angie's case but she was so overwhelmed with the number of letters she received from people looking for their own closure she decided to turn it into her full-time career and she is still a private investigator to this day unless she's retired at this point the article was from like 2019 she might be retired now oh my god what a fucking badass but she did the thing yeah i love that that's amazing and i would absolutely do that for you <laughs> i would do that for you too there we go it's a it's a cute i mean i hate saying it's a cute story because someone lost their life but it's a nice story of 
friendship kind yeah, of and love <laughs> kind of in our kind of little fucked up way i hope you guys know what i mean when i say these things <laughs> <laughs> but it's just amazing that like it just proves that not giving up you yeah and i love the little like the little visit from angie that was just like ugh, perfect yeah. She's a little kind of, bit of spooky in there. She kind of showed up and being like, hey, hey, bitch, time to solve my murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, bitch. Roll yeah. out. <laughs> she had to wait 20 years for some reason. I don't know why. She just wasn't ready, I guess. Yeah. Maybe she was just having fun being a spirit and was like, you know what? I'm bored. Let's let's move on. Yeah. Let's solve this shit. Oh, my God. That's yeah. such a good story, though. Like, I'm, well, not, not a good story. I know. But, like, what a great friend. Yeah, it's it's rare that you have a positive twist on these cases. So let's just say it's a positive story. Yeah. We're really bad at, at saying things. Like I said, I hope you guys get it. <laughs> but now she's like a, a PI and helping other people. So Yeah, yeah. I should look into her more to see what else she solved. But she, she only wanted to do it to help her friend. Like, that's it. She was just going to do this one case. But yeah. I guess... It was it was a big story at the time, so people were like, "Shit, solve mine!" And she's like, "I have to. This is my calling now." And I thought that was nice. Now she has a new career path thanks to her friend in a weird way. Yeah. So it's rare that we get to smile at the end of these episodes. Yeah. So just let us have this. <laughs> I appreciate you not giving me nightmares. You're welcome. I really tried this time. Thanks. Mine might give you my nightmares. Yeah. On that note, should we get spooky? Yeah. Should we get some nightmares? Let's get some nightmares. Um. So I'm going to talk about the trans Algony Lunatic Asylum. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. So we all know how <laughs> those go, but like, yeah, it ha- we have to talk about it. Um, so the asylum was built um, in the late 1850s in Weston, West Virginia. And uh, to start off, they obviously used like prison inmates to complete the construct. Well, the construction. So great start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the building was built in the um, within like the Kirkbride plan. So the Kirkbride plan was basically like a system of mental asylums designed by Thomas Story Kirkbride, who was a psychiatrist. Um, so he actually ended up founding the American Psychiatric Association. Oh. Um, so there ended up being, I think, over like um, seventy. I think it was like a total of like seventy three um, facilities that fall under this umbrella of the Kirkbride plan. So now at the time, especially like in the 1850 or yeah, the 1850s, um, mental illness was treated by the theory of Dorothy uh, Dix, who said it was uh, basically an irreversible condition that needs to be treated with like force and restraint. So makes sense. Yeah. Total sense. Total sense. <laughs> Fuck you, Dorothy. <laughs> uh, um, so now Kirkbride went opposite with treatments. He built these buildings huge with like long hallways, um, 12 foot ceilings and like a ton of windows. Kirkbride wanted to note the extreme importance of light and fresh air and having like proper ventilation to help with treatment. Um, Kirkbride also noted and was like very big on like freedom so he felt that patients should be allowed to roam the facility when able to to help like stimulate their minds it's just it's just baffling to me that this was like new edge technology it's like how about we don't treat people like shit yeah like let's try that we have to treat them like human beings what (laughs) no way revolutionary yeah (laughs) um god yeah so he thought that like having them loose and like walking around um would like sort of help them control their life and it would help them like heal instead of being locked up and feeling like a prisoner essentially um he thought doing this would make them more like i guess like compliant in a way rather than have like bad behavior 
Yeah. So, well, it's like, I mean, not to dumb it down to this level, but it's like when you're training a dog, they want positive reinforcement. Exactly. They learn by treats and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, revolutionary if you don't treat someone like, like shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kirkbride's hospitals were pretty much built around this plan. So the doors um, to this, I, I, write, I write asylum, but I'd rather just use facility. Um, so this door, the doors to the facility opened in 1863 and could only house up to 250 patients, and each patient would have their own room. The facility was renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. Uh, the grounds of the facility were massive, so like many other um, like asylums, um, i've spoken about before this one was like sustainable on its own so in the sense it had like a working farm which included like dairy as oh, well cute. yeah i mean not, again not cute but but like you can go and pet cool. some cows yeah, yeah. so they had like, like that'd be good for my mental health yeah so they had like waterworks a gas well and obviously its own cemetery uh, <laughs> Fuck. I, i'm being serious we that's went morbid bleak. yeah that's like <laughs> Um, so it was built with like this gothic revival theme by Richard Snowden Andrews, um, but also um, he it may, he wanted to make patients like feel at home, and as promised, it had huge windows down the long hallways to allow for natural light and fresh air. So like, it started sounding pretty nice. Like yeah, sounds- I'm waiting for the like the fucked up part here we're waiting never for, this is this is normal so far. My literal next my the beginning of my next sentence was but. <laughs> but, here it comes <laughs> yeah but however that changed um because hey look what's being talked about yeah um, so in 1881 the facility was already overrun with more than 500 patients oh no yeah so remember could only fit 250 and oh god yeah it was like so they're surpassing that by more than half double yeah mm-hmm. i can't math yeah <laughs> You're correct. You're right. <laughs> um, so this is because of the stigma behind mental health back then. With the increase in patients, the staff and facility could not keep up with the demand. So because of this, conditions of the building were declining quickly, including conditions of the patients. Um, patients were being held in rooms to, with four or five other people. So and other patients. Just one. Yep. So remember, these rooms were made to house one oh, person. God. Yep. So, also because of the overcrowding, that means the farm was overworked as well and definitely not fit to feed that many people. Um, the ma- the demand of it was all just unreal. And because of this, now patients were now suffering from malnutrition on top of all the other bullshit that was oh coming into play. Yeah. Um, and I guess this was all like a concern, but no one really did anything to fix it, obviously, um, because it went on for years. By, do, do people have to like pay to go to these facilities? Like, is it, are they making money? Is that why they allow the overcrowding? Is that yeah. how it works? I think some okay. some facilities they you do pay, but like the the stigma around mental health back then was kind of like if you woke up one day and you were sad, they sent you there. Yeah, and then you never left. And then I guess they just didn't say no because it's profit, right? Like, yeah. why would they want to cut their profit? Yeah, and like even if like you like say you were drinking too much, they would send you there jesus it doesn't make sense um i would have been in there since uh march 14th 2020 (laughs) i would have been in there since the day i was born (laughs) fair (laughs) (laughs) um uh so it went on for years as i said and by 1938 the facility was six times over the capacity the patients heavily outweighed the number of staff there was no room um before and now they're at six times like yeah no that's that's so gross yeah that's Um, like 10 people to a room then yep 
Um, so patients were loose and were running wild. Um, by 1950, the facility had 2,600 patients. Oh my God. So we're supposed to have 200. <laughs> yeah. So the facility was never expanded um, to try and fit this amount of people. I think they expanded like a couple hallways, but it was never expanded to fit like the 2,600 people they had. Um, that's like 10 times more than the building can safely yeah. hold. Um, so now a newspaper by the name of the Charleston Gazette heard about what was going on in the facility and they tried to get some people into, into like investigate to like what the fuck was happening, which they did. Um, so they got some people in there and just remember these, these facilities are like, they're not just like letting these people run loose. Like they're treating them like shit, like electroshock therapy. Um, like the ones where they like, they try to drown them into like like basically it's it's fucked i just like don't understand how they thought that would work like i don't know (laughs) i don't know um (laughs) so when the um the investigators got into into the facility they found that there was no heat so patients were freezing they were also sleeping on the floor due to lack of space and furniture um because of being 10 times over capacity staff had a difficult time keeping up with sanitation um, which I'm sure you can all figure out. So that's all I'm saying about that. Yeah. Um, patients who were falling into the category of being uncontrollable were locked into cages so that the patients who were less likely to cause a ruckus could be loose. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Isn't that's that f- terrible. It's terrible. Um, this facility also became a training ground for Walter Freeman. So Walter Freeman was a surgeon and most notably known for being uh, an extreme lobotomy ad- advocate. <laughs> He literally, like, if you watched American Horror Story Asylum, I'm pretty sure that's who that's after. Um, So Walter, in his lifetime, ended up performing over 4,000 lobotomies. So um, a lobotomy is where you take, like, a utensil, kind of like an ice pick, and it's inserted into the patient's eye socket. And then using a hammer, it's forced into the brain to sever the connective tissue in the prefrontal cortex in the brain. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah. Um, Obviously, this caused plenty of deaths but for those of you for for those that survived it caused physical and cognitive damage obviously (laughs) didn't it didn't it make you like super not even depressed just like not present if it went quote well exactly yeah that's pretty much just like a shell yeah it's awful yeah they thought like disconnecting like hitting it and hitting this connective tissue would basically like calm the patient down and make them like quote unquote normal but it like it just made them like not human yeah so basically. like technically it calmed them down but then it just it took i mean not to be dramatic but it took their soul out essentially yeah it basically took like their their humanity was gone yeah any thoughts awful. they had wouldn't were not there anymore because they don't have it now uh, what, what did i watch recently that did, oh um um the other sarah paulson one that isn't american horror story oh they uh ratchet ratchet yeah yeah they showed one in that and i was like oh it's it's so gross to think that it's real yeah and it was used a lot yeah like this guy did over four thousand so that's four thousand people that either died or became wow. literal robots not doing man anything. like i know the mental health system is still like a disaster but like how far we've come yeah <laughs> that's insane to me yeah um so now the gazette newspaper did open people's eyes to like what the fuck was going on but unfortunately this facility did not get shut down until 1994 we were two years old when this place got shut down What? yeah that's crazy so for almost over a hundred years well no over a hundred years because 1850s 
Holy shit. That's yep. insane. Yup. Um, so currently the building is abandoned, but you can book tours through its current owner. Um, so that's all it's used for is just tours that you can go visit. Yeah. Um, they use the money, um, that they collect towards, uh, the restoration of the building. There's like wheelchairs in the hallways and like metal equipment and like the original beds are still there. That's creepy. Very fucking creepy. Is this one of the ones that was on like, uh, ghost adventures or something have they yeah. been to this one yeah. i feel like this one sounds familiar now yeah it de- i think i'm pretty sure they definitely went there um so it's also good to know um as i mentioned earlier that the grounds of the facility had its own cemetery there's over two thousand people buried there oh god yeah um so many visitors will hear like wheels like squeaking wheels rolling down the hallways um patients in the facility ranged from like as i said having like a mental illness but to like murders and rapists and other like violent offenders. Um, and they were in there for like depression, just like substance abuse, basically. Yeah. Um, so they wonder why there was like overcrowding because like, yeah. like, and then some people just didn't want to deal with some people, right? Like some parents were just shit and then they're like, my kid yeah. has a mental problem. So let's just throw them in just there. throw it in it. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so people have seen shadowy figures and other ghostly apparitions in the hallways. Orbs have been caught on video and in photos. On the first floor of the building, there's a spirit that is said to be named Ruth, who likes to reside there. Um, she was apparently a formal, former patient of the facility, and she is known for hating men. I mean, Same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if she was one of, like, the lobotomy victims and Walter's the one who did it, I would hate men, Yeah, too. you can't blame her. Yeah. No. Um, so, she still likes to throw things at them. So, oh if you're gosh. a man, watch out on the first floor. Um, people have been pushed up against the walls by Ruth, and they've also heard her whistling down the hallways. She sounds like a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> I like the throwing things at men, specifically. I like yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, on the second floor, you'll find uh, Ward 2. So, in one of these rooms, a man, while the facility was opened, was stabbed 17 times by another patient. Oh, wow. Two patients have also committed suicide in the same ward on the second floor um, by hanging themselves. So, shadowy figures have been seen in this ward, and people have even caught EVPs, um, especially of the words like, get out. So, whatever is there does not want you there. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that gave me chills. <laughs> yeah, right? It's so creepy. I want to go there. It's only, like, they do, um, like, hour tours, but then you can yeah. pay a little bit extra and you stay there from, like, 9 p.m. to, like, 5 a.m. Oh, my God. An all-nighter? Yeah. Where is this one again? It's in West Virginia. That's not too far. We can make Let's it work. Open. Let's open up this border. Yeah. Maybe. Right? Some, maybe in the next 10 years at some point. <laughs> well, the good thing is can- Canadian vaccines are, like, we're almost at the same number as the USA. I saw that. It's getting better. Yeah. Um, on the third floor, there's a few spirits. Um, so we have a nameless spirit who was killed by two other patients. Um, apparently, these patients tried to hang him, but when that didn't work, they just decided to, like, beat him to death. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. So I'd be pretty pissed, too. Yeah. Um, so he's seen in the room that he was killed in. Um, there's also a spirit called Big Jim. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> right? And a nurse named Elizabeth. Um, on this floor, doors have been heard being slammed closed. Um, again, apparitions and shadowy figures are also seen. Uh, that seems to be like a common theme is just, you get to actually see a lot of ghosts. I would rather see things than hear them. I think I don't like the, like just hearing knocks and stuff. Cause that makes me too anxious. If I could see something, at least I could be like, well, that's a fucking ghost. And I I don't (laughs) like, um, 
like the feeling like when you're standing there and you have like the tingly feeling on your neck i don't like yeah that. that my my sister and i were talking about my basement and she's like i won't go down there if you're not in your room she's like i still feel uncomfortable to this day like i feel like there's eyes on me and i feel that sometimes too sometimes when i go to the bathroom in the middle of the night i don't know how else to explain it other than i feel like someone is looking at me probably because there is yeah so i just i just run a lot down here <laughs> this is my exercise i run from yeah. the to my basement <laughs> Who needs Literally. a gym? <laughs> Everyone just go into Holly's basement. Oh. That's it. <laughs> you should start charging people. You can charge like oh a, God, yeah. a gym membership. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> the newest cardio dance craze running yeah. from Holly's ghost in her basement. I love that. <laughs> you thought treadmills got you like uh, healthy? Uh-uh. 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 You uh-uh. ain't seen no, no cardio like this before. <laughs> no. Your lungs are going to be amazing after this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> We're starting our own gym company. I love that. Um, so on the fourth floor, there is obviously a kid ghost. Of course. Obviously. Um, her name is Lily. Uh, Lily oh, is found, right? So cute. Lily is found in a room that sort of looks like a kid's like playroom. Um, so I'm not sure if they had created this room to like look like a playroom in like the restoration um, revamp of what they're doing or if it was like originally a playroom. Mm-hmm. They just amped up the creep factor. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job because it is fucking creepy. So (laughs) so she is known to play with the toys found in this room. Lily is nine years old, who is said to have died from pneumonia in the facility. There are two stories on how Lily got there. Um, One was that she was born there, so her mother was committed until she was born in the Uh, facility. That's sad. Imagine spending the first, well, your only nine years. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. And another was that her parents dropped her off and never came back for her, um, which is... I don't like either of those yeah. at all. Right? A nine-year-old does not need to be in that facility. No. Um, so she likes to play games, and she likes to turn on, like, the music box in the room. Um, uh, so she turns that on and off, and she will, like, move the toys around and, like, throw a ball at you, you know, just <laughs> kid stuff. Um, so there is a spirit, another spirit on the fourth floor that is a little bit more evil than Lily, unfortunately. Um, people have described this entity as like a black mass, um, kind of like an object that can be seen creepily crawling along the floors. Mm-hmm. This entity is literally nicknamed the Creeper. Um, it's also known to bang on the pipes within the fourth floor. So people have literally seen this like creepy thing crawl along the floor. People have been Ooh. scratched and it's i have like chills right now is it so it's just like a like a shapeless like a shadow kind of but apparently it has like you can see like these like really long like limbs you and just like creepily going along the floor and like it watches you follows your like every move it like it's just creepy I don't, I don't like, like it. I don't like it. It seems Go evil to, to Lily. Me. Yeah. <laughs> also, why is it on the floor with her? Of course it is. Yeah. Um, you need balance, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So there's also a soldier scene um, that is just like strolling the hallways of the place. Uh, there's also been screams heard throughout the building that are unexplained, especially in the room where the electroshock therapy was being oh, done on patients. Yeah. Um, people have been seen, have been, or sorry, people have been like breathed on, like again, like standing there and you get breathed on your neck. Yeah. I don't like that. Ooh, creepy. Yeah. Um, laughter has been heard coming from certain rooms, like, m- like hysterical, like manic laughter. That would, that would, yeah, I'd be gone. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't do that. No. Like if you, I like talk all this shit about like, yeah, I'm going to go to all these haunted places. 
I'll go. Always <laughs> skipping cardio that week. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And it's like the the manic laughter reminds me of like when we went to like Wonderland for like Fear Fest. Or oh my Halloween god, Haunt. yeah. That's and they all. Just laugh at you. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, oh my god! Every time I think of that, I just remember. Uh, so for those who don't know, Fear Fest is just like a like a Halloween festival at Wonderland, which is like Six Flags in Canada. Um, and they redo the whole park with like a bunch of scary mazes. So the one year we went, and there was a maze, and there was like a hallway of mirrors and like strobe lights yeah and you have to like find your way out of it i ran into myself so many times i'm pretty sure i had a goose egg on my head by the end of the night like it was i'm not good at these things it was terrifying (laughs) it's i've only been with you we went twice together yeah and the one there is one where you have to it make i don't know if you're actually underground but it makes you feel like you're underground the tunnel yeah but by the end of it it like goes in and caves in and you get like really claustrophobic i had and it's all pitch black we both had a full-blown panic attack yeah full-blown like i was hyperventilating the person behind me was like it's okay sweetie and we're like it's not okay like i am not okay (laughs) it starts off like you could walk like five or six people across and then by like the midpoint of the maze you're literally walking one by one like hunched over like it's not cool no they need to put a warning (laughs) and it's like hot in there and you can't breathe yeah it's oh god it's oh i'm getting itchy stop it let's keep going (laughs) or the one time we walked into one of them and we like happened to like pass one part and we got smoked in the face with water and it was like oh my god yeah negative 10 out (laughs) we were soaked it was like the worst there is a really cool i don't know if it's still there but one was like a vampire nightclub and it gave me like hella buffy vibes oh yeah that one i liked Yeah, yeah that one was cool i could stay there forever and then there's a clown one that you just want to avoid for the rest of your life. I made Danielle do that one. That one was funny. That was not fun. I thought it was fun. It was 3D too. So you had to wear 3D glasses. Yeah. So I had like glasses over my glasses. It was <laughs> embarrassing. Oh, reminiscing. But, right? But that's that's the end of it. That's the trans Algony lunatic oh. asylum. That's all I got. In Canada's Wonderland. In Canada's Wonderland. <laughs> we don't know which one's scarier at this point i love that i love how you like structure your so you know like the history and everything and it's it's so funny because like i always reach a point where i'm like where is this going bad oh there it is like (laughs) (laughs) oh i got it (laughs) oh that was creepy i i don't like that last one that you talked about he gave me the heebie-jeebies yeah so he's like made of nightmares yeah (laughs) he's just made of nightmares Nightmares. that was really dark i like that (laughs) (laughs) well i guess that's it friends yeah we kept it short this week yeah, it's not bad. We got it. Look at us go. Yeah. Um, come be our friend. Yeah, come be our friend. <laughs> Talk about... Maybe we can all be PIs together. Let's all go get our license and, like, solve Honestly, murders. we should. We should. I think that us and all of the spookies could solve at least one singular murder. Yeah. We could do it. <laughs> Let's pull a Sheila and be that badass bitch. We got this. We got this. What a way to start our week. Be that badass bitch. Yeah. Happy it's... Monday, you guys. Oh, my God. It's a holiday Monday, too. Yeah. Cheers cheers to you guys but come <laughs> hang out with us we have instagram it's a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email us the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com we hope you had a good long weekend and that's I, it man that's stay, stay, spooky? stay spooky stay spooky that's it <laughs> bye friends goodbye <laughs>